Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquisell, President Tay. So glad that you guys could join us on a Saturday, the last Saturday. I believe it's the last Saturday in June if I, if I got my dates straight. Maybe not. Maybe we have one more Saturday. But nonetheless, it's Saturday morning and we do this thing called The Balance every Saturday. Uh, today, as the title mentions, Zion comes. Here comes Zion. Of course, we're going to be talking a lot about the NBA draft today throughout the show. Uh, we've got a great lineup today. Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, standing by in the IndyCar, talking, our official IndyCar contributor, standing by in the balance green room. I'll get it straight. It's still early. I'm, I'm still trying to get some coffee uh, put in the veins. Uh, of course, he calls us from WSBT up in South Bend. We'll be talking uh, some IndyCar mix in a little NASCAR with him. Uh, we're not going to have our official NASCAR segment uh, today as uh, Steve is on vacation. And so uh, we'll just kind of uh, mix in with that. And then the Tony Donahue of the Tony D podcast uh, will be joining us and talking some NBA draft and some more IndyCars, some NASCAR. So we'll sprinkle everything all around in there. The second hour of Kent Sterling, KentSterling.com joins us to talk some NBA draft breaking down what the, what the Pacers did, uh, and certainly uh, more talk about Zion, more talk about the NBA draft in Mo for the BS Sports Show. My name is Tom Mark with El Presidente, 917-889-8516 is our digits. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Tonight. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. 
Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Porklet, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the <coughs> Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. All right, welcome back to the balance. 917-889-8516 is our digits. It's time to kick things off. Standing by here with me now, it's Matthew Embry of WSPT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. Matthew, how is you, sir? Isn't it fun to be in South Bend? Uh, U.S. Senior Open Pound preparations are underway. Of course, that event gets underway on Thursday. Uh, just as a wrap-up show on WSBT previewing that event with our main sports director and pitcher, John Foster, the main guy at the Warren Golf Course in Notre Dame. So a lot to look forward to uh, starting next week, definitely, uh, with the National Championship of Golf. Uh, just uh, Let's just say a mile and a half away from uh, my apartment. Well, hey, you can't beat that, man. I, I tell you what, I love me some golf. I need to get out there this summer and play a lot more than what I did last year. The only thing that I, I thinks, I, though, Tom, I can't take the straight way in. If I have to go in, I have to go the long way around because they won't let me through the short way. <laughs> Traffic. Traffic. Well, let's talk about some traffic. IndyCar out, out at Road America. First of all, let's get a feel of the course and talk with us a little. I think Road America, in my opinion, is one of the best road courses out there. It's a beautiful course, and it's certainly a, a, a course where you can be at various different angles and see a lot of action with the IndyCar. Uh, so talk with us a little bit about 
the the road course there at Road America, and we'll get into some of the uh, storylines of to the, uh, tomorrow's race. Well, certainly uh, it's a place where you can make up ground. Uh, there's plenty of place to pass, a lot of room to work, uh, multiple opportunities off East Station 5. Uh, the also in the main sweep of Turn 5 is going to be a passing area. And uh, certainly can the corner as well, and maybe turn one if you're brave enough. But uh, I tell you, uh, certainly the top uh, road racers I think will be at the top of the list. But uh, interestingly enough, while the practice seats indicate Rossi, Power, New Garden, and Colton Herta and Rosenquist and the main players are near the top of the standings, Simon Pagano isn't among them. Nor is Sebastian Bourdais, for instance. No, you're absolutely right. I'm sorry. I thought you were. I thought you were going to say something else. No, you're absolutely right. So let's uh, let's uh, talk about the lineup of of the of the race tomorrow. Uh, uh, take us through P one, two, three, four, and five. Uh, as you said, you know, what, if you're going to win, uh, being on on the pole and at least being in the top five on a road course, that's where you want to be. Well, obviously, that I mean, you can go off secrets, et cetera, but. Uh... For a guy like Pagano, who comes in uh, 46 points out of first place to his teammate uh, Newgarden, uh, certainly could use a result. And uh, Rossi certainly as well, uh, just being 15 out at this point, and you look further down the list, um, you have guys, for instance, like Scott Dixon, who was okay in practice, but wasn't exactly great. Sato the same way, and certainly power against ground, and maybe even Ryan hunter Ray. Uh, who also surprisingly was near the top of the uh, list uh, after yesterday and this morning's warm-up. So certainly several guys that uh, need to have opportunities to gain ground, and then guys like obviously Colton Hurdick to resurrect their season because all of a sudden after the collapse at early exit in Indy, uh, Colton Hurdick has DNF problems, getting the finish has been an issue for him, so he really needs some points uh, to get himself uh, back into the situation because right now, believe it or not, we talked about him being the early favorite for Rookie of the Year. Right now in the Rookie of the Year point standings, he's fourth, believe it or not. Hmm. I did not see the, the recent standings on that. Well, I'll tell you what, let's talk a little bit about Graham Rahal. Graham Rahal has some great memories in, uh, of Road America. This is one of his, his favorite tracks, certainly uh, coming to Elkhart Lake uh, when his father raced in IndyCar there uh, uh, in certainly – heard stories of his grandfather and so forth. One of the interesting storylines I heard about Graham Rahal today, his wife, Courtney Force, or Courtney Rahal, uh, obviously a retired drag racer, uh, daughter of the famed John Force of the Force uh, Racing family, and their dog have never been uh, to Road America. So he was very excited to talk about bringing uh, Courtney uh, in the family, if you will, uh, to uh, Road America, never been there. One of his favorite courses, I like Graham Rahal. I certainly uh, do follow him quite a lot. Uh, but what are your thoughts about Graham Rahal and Road America? Certainly, uh, this is not necessarily one of his best tracks that he has been at, but uh, not necessarily one of his worst. Um, certainly down near the mid pack of the standings right now, currently eighth and uh, over 150 points out, so certainly uh, it's going to need a desperate charge uh, to get himself back in within range or possibly challenging for a title. Of course, uh, not nearly in a position where he was a few years ago when Stake and Shake was still the sponsor, but uh, 
ultimately another solid season for Graham, but uh, I would say uh, not the numbers I think that many of his fans were hoping he would be. And uh, unfortunately, that breakthrough we thought eventually that would sooner or later happen. And we keep thinking it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And we are, unfortunately, at this point, still waiting for it to happen. Well, I'll tell you what, I think it's going to happen for the Andretti's uh, this week at Road, Road America. Alexander Rossi, second fastest in practice uh, on, at the road course. Um, uh, Ryan Hunter Ray uh, 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 tops the opening practice. Uh, Andretti, well, there again, no Marco, but let's talk about the Andretti uh, team there at Road America. This looks like it could be a good weekend for them. Well, for a couple of them, obviously Hunter Ray and Rossi are up in the contention, and I think it include Herta. That's that's technically a Andretti car, even though it's uh, tagged as a Harden Steinbrenner uh, entry. Um, still waiting for Marco, and uh, I tell you, Zach Beach. Uh, I tell you, I think he is certainly under the gun as far as keeping the seat. Granted, he has solid sponsorship from Group 1001 in Gamebridge. But uh, that can only take you so far uh, with the top team. Sooner or later, you need to start providing results. And uh, I tell you, uh, if he continues to, you know, languish near the mid-pack or the back of the pack, uh, I have a feeling that 26 car will be featuring a different driver uh, for 2020. Well, yeah, we'll certainly uh, see how that goes. Let's kind of talk about some of the top drivers in the NTT IndyCar Series uh, as they come into Road, Road America. Obviously, uh, two of the uh, the top drivers was uh, uh, Penske drivers. And, you know, an uh, announcement came this week uh, from uh, the White House that Roger Penske will receive the uh, Freedom of America Award, I believe is what it's called. Certainly one of the top civilian honors uh, given uh, to highly successful people uh, in their particular areas of, of expertise, and Roger Penske is going to be um, the recipient of that award, award, so congratulations to him. But Joseph Dugarton, Alexander Rossi, and Simon Padijan, we talked a little bit about Alexander Rossi, uh, but let's, uh, let's also talk a little bit about Simon Padijan. Uh, do, do, we, do we have the Indy 500 hangover? Right? We always see it, and it happens every year. Uh, when they, they win the Indy 500, and then it's like, they they go into a slump like a roller coaster ride. Come out of it, it's just kind of a normal thing. Obviously, winning the Indy 500 is one of the biggest achievements you can do in your life. But let's talk a little bit about Joseph Newgarden, Alexander Rossi, and Simon Patizon. Well, Newgarden's holding to form, and no surprise there. I mean, he's won three times this year. Rossi, I think, is very unlucky to have only won once. I think you could say multiple times he's had a chance to win. He could easily have three or four wins next to his game right now. Uh, not for some uh, misfortune late and uh, not taking advantage of opportunities late like he had at the Indy 500, obviously. And uh, Pagano, uh, this is the same hit or miss that we saw prior to Indy. I thought maybe that he was out of it after sweeping both Indy races, but now he's gone back into that lull period again. And, uh, you know, talking about hitting lightning in a bottle, uh, I think he did for Indy, but uh, now he's starting to get back to maybe some of those bad habits they have with this uh, new Delara body kit. And once again, uh, like I mentioned, he should be much higher than 16th uh, on the practice charts uh, if he is indeed a championship contender. That's not where a championship contender uh, is supposed to be if you expect a challenge for a title. Scott Dixon, Tomoko Soto, you know what I'm talking about, and Will Power. Yes, I think needs to get it going. Uh, obviously, he says the talent to get it going, but uh, he's going to need to start showing it. I mean, he's almost 100 points out of the championship at this point. I think really, 
needs to start making a move if he's going to get into it. Uh, Sato, uh, the consistency uh, would be consistency he's never shown before as far as being able to challenge for a championship. Uh, he's capable of winning races, but the consistency has never been there. And uh, Power, uh, again, not being able to take advantage of opportunities. He's still winless uh, headed into Road America. Uh, I'd say if he doesn't win this weekend, I think you can maybe start thinking about canceling Will Power out as a serious championship contender at this point, being more than 100 points out. And with, you know, two teammates to deal with, especially one with Joseph Newgarden, who is uh, certainly in the group right now. You know, we talked a little bit about uh, uh, Ryan hunter Ray and Graham Rahal. Let's talk about uh, another top driver happens to be a, a rookie, Santonio uh, Ferrucci. Uh, what are your thoughts about his race uh, tomorrow at Road America? Guy's worked some work to do. He's only 20th out of 23 on the timing charts. Uh, certainly a fast learner, but uh, for some reason he has not figured out this Road America layout. And uh, surprisingly, that that's the case, considering uh, this layout at Road America should be similar to the circuits he competed in in GP3 and GP2 competition over in Europe. I'd say that's the closest comparison to those that, uh, as far as any circuits, especially the Street circuits not necessarily equating that well to those types of circuits uh, in Europe, but uh, ultimately, uh, I think uh, you talk about guys that need to have a good performance on qualifying. Uh, he's certainly one of them, and his teammate uh, Sebastian Bourdais, I think, also uh, certainly needs to pick it up. And like we said with Ray Hall and Hunter Ray, uh, the talent's there, but uh, sometimes potential uh, exceeds talent, and when that happens, uh, that's never a good thing. And that's certainly, I think, the case. Uh, Ryan Hunter-Ray, who is, I think, starting to get beyond the prime years of his career. And uh, for Graham Randall, careful, I'd say maybe two, three years from now, he may also start exiting that prime period as well. So uh, talk about a sense of urgency. I think those uh, two entries, the 20 and the 15, need to start showing in here, I'd say, in the next few races. Sebastian Bourdais, James Hinchcliffe, and Felix Rosenquist. All great road course drivers, all proven road course drivers. Are we going to see a move from any of those three tomorrow? Also, close maybe if he can get the consistency back that he showed at the start of the season. Brian uh, and Hitch Cliff have been nowhere near uh, the challenging positions of this yet. Uh, obviously, if things change where you get a good break, double good breaks going your way and qualifying and again in the second phase, if not the Firestone Fast 6, I can change that. But, uh, uh, board A and Hinchcliffe uh, not, would not be on my mind as far as a potential contender. So based on uh, the timing sheets at this point, I'd say of those three, Rosenquist is probably the best bet to, to maybe have a challenge if there's anyone that's going to make a challenge in there. Well, uh, real quickly, we'll go through another three drivers here, and then we'll uh, move on over to NASCAR as uh, Steve is on vacation on the beach somewhere today. Uh, so he is not going to be able to join us in. Uh, we weren't able to line up uh, another NASCAR guest. You're going to double hat it today for the uh, for the next 15 minutes. So Spencer Pickett, Marco Andretti, and Marcus Erickson, what are your thoughts? Well, I think Pickett right now is the lack of concern that any car he has for the road course, I think, is showing again. Uh, he's well down the list, and Jones is well down the list, so I don't think you're going to see much from either of them. Um, same goes with uh, Erickson as – Sam's Cliff has struggled. I think Erickson has struggled even more, which is surprising considering his F1 uh, roots. And you look at uh, Marco Andretti. Uh, name only, I'd say, would be good, but unfortunately, name only gets you so far. And we've seen that with other second, third generation drivers in both NASCAR and IndyCar. Uh, name can only take you so far. You have to get the job done. And 
more often than not, the name is not necessarily enough to get any of those guys over the top. Well, let's move on over to NASCAR. They're going out to wine country this weekend out at Simona. Uh, talk with us a little bit about that track. It's a track. It's a, it's a couple tracks in one track, if you will. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's basically uh, in the middle of wine country out there, but it is a, a uh, course that's very challenging. Uh, it has various elevation changes. And I think NASCAR drivers like to go there. I know IndyCar uh, drivers love to race in Simona. Uh, Kyle Larson edges out his teammate Kurt Busch uh, or Kyle Busch in the final cup practice uh, yesterday. What are your thoughts? NASCAR Monster Energy Series in Sonoma. Well, obviously, the first couple of things, they've gone back to the long track. Uh, they have reintroduced the uh, carousel. The old uh, infamous and unpopular chute has been removed. Creates another great opportunity. An outbreaking opportunity has to deter seven at that big loop around. Obviously, handling that carousel and carrying enough speed out of there to stop that past opportunity down at that straightaway. I think it's going to be various to see how that plays out uh, coming up to this weekend and then race day. Um, good to see if they made that adjustment back. I think that's, uh, the fans have been wanting to see that, a little more action on this layout, and I think you're going to get it now. Uh, where not just turn 11, the uh, last little loop before the pit lane is a place where you can pass. I think now there are two bonafide areas where you can complete a move uh, confidently and safely and aggressively, and that's the key things of being able to create passing opportunities on road courses. But uh, I think you look at the uh, names as far as the favorites on the list, as far as, you know, the road course racers. Obviously, Kyle Busch's name should go to the top of that. But uh, interestingly enough, you've got other guys that have been up near the list, like uh, Cliff Boyer, who was the fastest in the averages uh, yesterday. Alex Bowman was up there. Of course, Alex Bowman trying to get things going, considering now that he has lost a major sponsor for 2020. Nationwide will not be back next year on that 88 car. Hamlin, Larson have been competitive. Logano, certainly. Uh, Matt Benedetto was sixth on that list, so maybe impressive run for Levine, a team that's not known for, obviously, their road course etiquette. Road course etiquette. And then, uh, obviously, the road racer, Michael McDowell's up there. And uh, you have a couple others in Keselowski, Reagan, and Bush, also not used to being that high up on the list, but uh, they could possibly pull a surprise or two uh, if they could translate that to qualifying and then turn it into a good race day. Uh, don't have the road course ringers that you used to see in the previous years. Uh, I will say, though, that there's one guy that I thought would be further up on the list considering his road racing heritage. Uh, I would have thought Daniel Suarez would be a lot higher than 15th uh, where he ended up on the timing sheet yesterday. I think with his uh, road racing background and open-wheel background in Mexico, I would have thought he would have been a much greater challenger possibly to get that first career win. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's going to happen unless he really turns around uh, qualifications today. Now, you were talking about the carousel. Paul, Paul Menard believes uh, Sonoma, Sonoma Raceway has more character now that the Monster Energy uh, NASCAR Cup Series teams are once again running the carousel. Nobody on the field has ever ran that full course uh, before, and he thinks it's a good thing. that, uh, Like I said, no driver in the field this weekend has ever run a Cup Series race on the Sonoma's 2.52-mile full course features that features the carousel. Uh, the last t- uh, time the configuration was ran in the Cup Series was in 1997. Talk with us a little bit about the carousel. What are we talking about? That is a tricky little turn. It's a downhill entry. It's a blind entry, so you don't see it until you're right on top of it. And getting the 
turn in right, and the turn in right is very key because it's a quick turn, and it sets up that long straightaway headed into turn seven, which is a key passing area. So getting that section right and carrying enough speed out of there and keeping your momentum going all the way down that straightaway uh, is paramount to not only running quick qualifying times and lap times in general, but also being able to gain position and hold your position uh, if you are being challenged by another driver. Well, uh, Matthew, you know, we leaned a lot on you during uh, college basketball, so let's talk a little bit about the NBA draft as we get ready to segment into that uh, conversation for the rest of the show. Uh, let's, uh, what are your thoughts? Zion obviously goes number one to the Pelicans. Uh, we, we knew that was going to happen. Uh, it, it was, I think it's an okay pick. We'll see how it goes. Romeo and Carson end up in, uh, in Boston. Uh, the, the Pacers select uh, a 19-year-old, almost seven-footer. Uh, that, I think, can be problematic because now they got too many bigs. Uh, they got to trade away, and, we'll, and so we'll see what happens there. Uh, but overall, what are your thoughts on the NBA Draft 2019? I think right now you can say the Pacers are one of the big losers in the draft. Uh, this, I, I don't understand this pick. Uh, this is a player that you're going to have to fork out a ton of money in year one to get him out of his current deal that he has. He has a lucrative deal in the Euro League, the team they plays for in the Euro League. Uh, I do not understand what their thinking is. Now, granted, Bogdanovich is an unrestricted free agent, but I think there are, were other needs that they needed to hit on. I think maybe if they had gone maybe with the Darius Bagley, Basley, I think, was one player they could have gone for. Even a Ty Jerome or Grant Williams, I think, would have for Brandon Clark. If they really wanted to go setter, I think would have made a whole lot more sets than uh, Goga Bizzate, uh a very player that I think uh, there's questions about him being able to have, you know, the physical talents necessary to play at this level. And uh, obviously uh, the physicality necessary because he's only 250 at a 6'11 side. That's not the size you're looking for for an inside uh, center on the NBA. So I really do not like this pick at all by the pace. I think they could have really helped themselves in a lot of areas. Uh, I think there were other areas and other players that could have helped them now as opposed to down the road. I mean, not only are they going to have to fork out a lot of money to bring this guy to a full, but uh, I think they're at least he's at least two, three years away before he could be a real considerate contributing uh, player uh, for this Indiana roster, a roster that it could lose several players in free agency and I think needs help in a lot of areas now, not two, three years down the road. Well, you know, I agree with that, you know, and also I, 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 I can see both sides of it. Here's the thing with the Pacers. Like you said, they're going to have a, they're going to have a buttload of uh, unrestricted free agents, and so which means they're going to have the ability to talk. They've got plenty of cap space. They've got, uh, they, they've got good financials. They've got the money to move around, and so you always, always draft for the future. You never draft for the present, and that never works out in any any form and and the in the one uh, group of people that have perfected that and that's uh, MLB and baseball that's because when you draft it in a baseball um you you don't you don't in rare occasions do you get to the main stage if you will for a few years so you always draft for your future and i think if we look back over the last couple of years 
winning cures a lot of things, but also winning uh, creates new expectations that were never there before. Uh, so certainly the Pacers had a great year last year, and they're looking to build on that momentum. But I think this was a good pick out of Georgia. You got, I mean, Georgia, the, the country that is, not not Georgia the state. Um, I, and I can't pronounce his name, so I won't even attempt it. But I, I think when you get can, anytime you can get a seven foot center at 19 years old, uh, and you gotta gotta realize that Euro League is is no joke. I mean, it's a it's a it's a uh, the real deal. And he's he's grew up having to fight for everything that he's had. He grew up in a war torn country. I grew up in poverty, so he has the heart and the spirit to. To be successful, but I can see both sides of it because you do uh, know that you're going to be losing some players in the free agency, and so you do want to make sure that you're able to move forward on the momentum from last year uh, than this year. I think the Atlanta Hawks, though, was probably the overall winner of this year's draft. It was a very smart move. Now, granted, it cost them a lot to get up there, and then, but also also bringing in Cameron Reddish. Two players, I think, that could help them and be part of the rotation right away. And then uh, you have, I think, another player, and Bruno Fernando, I think that's going to surprise some people if he could make this roster. Now, Brad, he doesn't have a guaranteed contract as a second-round selection. But I'd say, I think you could make a case that all three of the players that they took are going to be players that could help them in year one. Yeah, absolutely. Matthew Embry, our, our official IndyCar contributor. Thank you, Matthew, for uh, jumping on board here with us uh, uh, today and talking some IndyCar, NASCAR, some NBA draft. People can find you at, at Matthew Embry, but where can people find you? Where can you masterpiece it, sir? M-A-T-T-M-B-U-R-Y on Twitter. And uh, I, I have to say, uh, very interesting stuff. Uh, disappointing it for Corvette uh, at uh, Lamar. With the C7R, ninth place run with I think a car that the regulars I think aided a bunch. Unfortunately, the early exit for Fessler, who had to crash down, they crashed, but also a crash that led to a 7,000 euro fine, which I really don't think he deserved to be tagged with for that. And uh, look to give credit to Porsche. They once again have the record of being the endurance kings, and they showed it again. And uh, be very curious to see uh, what Corvette uh, does from this, especially bringing out a brand new car uh, January 2020 and 24th at C8 and a new philosophy uh, with a uh, mid-engine car and possibly a car that uh, is a twin turbo V6, uh, something that they are not used to running. All right, Matthew, we look forward to talking with you again soon. We'll see what happens this race weekend and, and uh, good luck on maneuvering around the golf course uh, this weekend, sir. <laughs> Like I said, uh, don't forget, uh, for those in the Southland area, a lot of things are going to be altered as far as construction and all that stuff. So, again, plan ahead if you're ahead of the U.S. Senior Open. Make sure there are certain things, like, for instance, if you're going to bring in a bag, it's got to be a clear bag. Otherwise, they will not allow you to bring that in. And several other things. If you go to USSeniorOpen.com, they will have the list of the things you can bring in and the things you cannot bring in. And, guys, be respectful. I mean, we saw all these guys going you the man, all this stuff, please don't do that. I mean, it's it's tempting to do that on these courses to get your voice on national television, but please keep it civil if you're going to head down there. I mean, show the players some respect. I mean, that's something that really annoys me about the U.S. Open events is these fans just getting out of control for no reason, and I think it's starting to affect some of the players, and 
sometimes uh, that shot uh, ruins them and costs them a chance to win a championship. So show the players respect if you are headed down uh, to South Bend and Warren uh, next weekend. Sounds like very good advice, Matthew. You have yourself a good weekend. We'll talk with you soon. Anytime, Tom. Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, joins us. I'm talking IndyCar. We'll be right back. Tony Donahue. We're going to be talking some NBA drafts and more IndyCar. Right back. Everywhere I go, they be like, nah, 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 nah. Watch me break it down like, National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. See the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Porklet, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. 
GEICO makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on GEICO.com or the GEICO mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. All right, welcome back to the balance rolling right along on a Saturday morning. My name is Tom Marcusell, President J917898516 is our digits for standing by for Tony Donahue. Uh efforting to get him as as we say in the business. So uh we we will continue on. We will roll on down the road. Uh, appreciate you guys joining us today. Uh make sure you catch us on uh the Twitter bird at T Balance and Facebook, uh, really, there's nowhere you can't find us because this is the one place where fanatics can come together, talk about their favorite teams. We bring you a, 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 an analytical, well, maybe that's a stretch, analytical breakdown of sports from a fan's point of view. That's you. That's me. We call ourselves fanatics. But we also try to give you uh, great interviews and sound bites. Uh, so, uh, hey, welcome to The Balance. Welcome to my kingdom. I am your leader. I am on fearless on loan from God. And we are continuing to roll on, roll on down the road, as they say. Let's talk a little bit about the NBA draft. Obviously, big night uh, for Zion Williamson. Uh, Big night for uh, him uh, getting drafted uh, number one overall uh, with the uh, uh, New Orleans Pelicans. Pretty much expected that's what was going to happen. You know, you kind of look at he came from Duke, and Duke, out of their top ten that you would have thought would have went to the draft, Zion's the only one that made it. Now, we can say what we want about uh, Coach K. I think he's a great coach. I think he's a good coach. But when you look at uh, Kentucky, for example – uh, their dominance in, over the last few years uh, in getting players to the NBA. And you look at players from Duke, just we'll talk Duke since Zion is uh, his, uh, his world, if you will. Not as many when you, when you compare the two. So there is a big difference just because a player is good in college does not translate them to be good in the, uh, in the NBA. So we'll see what happens with Zion. I mean, obviously I think a lot of people expect him to come out and, uh, you know, light the, the world on fire. We are still standing by for Tony Donahue. Uh, so hopefully we can uh, get him on here soon, but you know, but now when we look at Romeo Langford, for example, I think a lot of people thought that he was a bit of a, a bit of a disappointment, if you will, with, uh, IU, maybe because we overthought it, maybe, and we'll have Kent Sterling on uh, here in, in, in a few minutes uh, 
to to talk about uh, the NBA draft and talk about Romeo Langford. We we've talked with Ken about Romeo long before we ever went to IU, and uh, you know, a kid from uh, from Southern Indiana uh, became one of the top recruits in the nation. Went to IU. We knew all along he was going to be a one and done, but there was that hope that he would have stayed with IU just a little bit longer. But like I said, we knew all along that, uh, that he was going to be a, a, a one in, in done. So we'll be talking about that. We are efforting to get a hold of Tony. So multitasking there. I can't walk and chew gum at the same time. I can barely walk. So it is what it is. I, I digress, but you know, you look at you look at um, uh, Romeo, and of course, uh, you know, you, you got to look at he's now he's now he's now continues that Indiana connection, if you will. Um, so we'll see what happens with the Celtics. I mean, and and and, uh, and um, so we'll see where that goes with. That. I am all over the board here, aren't I? It is what it is. It is what it is. Nine one seven eighty nine eight five one six is our digits. Joining us now is the infamous Tony Donahue of Tony D podcast on on uh, Podbean. Tony, how are you, sir? Good, man. How are we doing? Good. I just read your text. Uh, I don't know if I want to yep. talk about it. Uh, so yeah, well, your mom? Are, are you getting a new brother? Or no, sister? No, I no, 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 oh. no, 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 no. My uh, <laughs> there's a, I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be an uncle for the fourth time. I'll have my first look niece at you. Any time now. Well, congratulations, congratulations to you. Uh, I, the way it read, it was like your mom was in labor. I was like, okay, you're gonna be a vet. You're gonna be a big no, brother. No. All right. Roll with no, that. No, Roll no. with that. <laughs> Tony, I, I appreciate you joining us. Let's talk about your brand new podcast. You just kind of got it launched and up and going. And I listened to it last night. It's it's pretty good, quick to the point. I like that. Uh, so uh, talk with us. It's called the Tony D Podcast. It's on Podbean. Is that correct? Did I say that right? Yes. Yep. You know that's that's a yeah, new app. Um, I'm not familiar with that. But I'm glad you I'm glad no, you got uh, it up and running. But. It's uh, it's one of those things where you know, um, I'm not very good at technology, um, so I had to go on a website to <laughs> the easiest possible you know, um, podcast that I could get to upload, and it's real easy. You can upload it from your phone, go right onto your, right onto the app, and then it's there for you. So, uh, looking forward to that. Um, you know, looking for this. I got, I've been calling it fun employment, um, which means a lot of being bored. So I figured I would continue my podcast because kind of start to do my own thing and uh, go, go, go my own way and uh, hopefully to build that and, and just have fun with it. Well, who knows? You might be a Kevin Lee in, in waiting. You might be the guy that can do just about everything, right? <laughs> uh, Kevin Lee is awesome. Are... And uh, yeah, he, uh, how about that? I mean, you, Kevin Lee works his way up and then NBC mm-hmm. gets the Indianapolis 500 and he's sitting there going, yep, that's going to be right up my alley. And, uh, I think he was in the pits for the for the radio or for the TV broadcast this year. So uh, always good to see guys that you know 
kind of came from where I started as well. Uh, obviously, he was there way before I was. Um, yeah. Kind of do one of those things um, and go from there. Yeah, and he was also part – him and Robin Miller were part of the uh, uh, NBC Gold Pass, which is going on. But during the 500, uh, they were doing the – the broadcast or the play-by-play, if you will, in the in the gold cast as well. So uh, that that's kind of an interesting uh, lineup for that as well. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit of IndyCar while we're on the subject. Uh, obviously, um, IndyCar at Road America. Uh, talk with us a little bit about Road America. We were just talking with Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, about Road America. But I think it's it's probably one of the best road courses that they race on, and certainly. I mean, the thing, the good thing about the road courses is if you get to be in the top three, there's your chances of winning. If you're past it, it's really hard to pass and come from behind to win at Road America. We saw uh, Ryan Hunter Ray and and um, his his uh, his uh, teammate Alexander Rossi uh, do well in practice. Uh, what are your thoughts about IndyCar and Road America? Road America is awesome. I've been there. Um, it's huge. It's over four miles. And I don't think I saw half of the racetrack when I was there. And I felt like we walked around the whole thing. Um, big spread out racetrack. There's some really good passing zones. And the elevation changes um, really kind of sometimes wreak havoc on these drivers. And that start, you look at the start, um, they, they kind of start them a little bit short of the finish line because when you go up that that hill on the straightaway you can't really see over that and you head down into turn one it kind of makes kind of makes it hectic so looking forward to seeing um i guess the cream of the crop rising because we're halfway through and you kind of know the championship battle so you know that um, alexander rossi is there you know joseph newgard who just won texas um, is there and those are the two guys kind of on their own and then from about third and fourth they're kind of in their own little zone. And then fifth, sixth, and seventh in points are going to have to really start making moves. Um, so looking forward to uh, seeing what Alexander Rossi can do, who struggled there. He hasn't finished inside of the top ten in his three previous starts. Joseph Newgarden is good. He won there last year. Will Power is good there. It's been a Team Penske-dominated track. Um, so we'll see if Rossi can keep up because it should be a, a Team Penske weekend up front. Talk about Team Penske. Let's talk about uh, uh, Simon Paddish on the win of the Indianapolis 500. Great win that was, but we kind of see that uh, that uh, Indy 500 win hangover, if you will. He's, and, and I get it. It takes a lot out of your team. It takes a lot out of you. Uh, but we're, we just haven't really seen a lot of people think, well, you win the Indy 500. Well, you're going to win going forward. That's not anywhere near the case. Uh, but what are your thoughts about Simon Paddish on uh, post Indy 500 win? Yeah, you know, it's tough. Um, I, it, it happens every year. You you win the 500, and you're up early on, on Monday morning after celebrating Sunday night, and then you're off to, to New York to do some media things. Actually, you know, it's Thursday, and, oh, hey, you got to get in the car the next day on Friday to go to one of the toughest tracks in Detroit, uh, which is the street circuit. And, oh, by the way, you don't have to win. You don't just won one race this weekend. You run two. That seems to happen almost every year, I think. I think Will Power was the first guy to finish inside of the top six in like the last 10 years in that first race after the 500. Um, Paz, you know, you know, he came into the month of May and there was a lot of rumors, a lot of rumblings that, hey, you know, he's going to end up going somewhere else. And Roger Penske was going to give him the boot and bring in Alexander Rossi. I don't think it's going to happen now in the month of May, but, you know, that team isn't as great as they should be, which is really 
hard for me to say because of what they did in the month of May, but there's been a lot of consistency, but Roger expects podiums and wins, and Pagenos has kind of been flirting in around fifth to eighth almost every race besides what he did in the month of May. So um, what he did in the month of May really kept him on Team Penske for another year or two, um, but he's going to have to step up, and there's no place better for him to do it outside of Indy than Road America in that Menards car, knowing that that's kind of Menards lined up there. So we'll see what Pagenos can do. He's good there. He's got to win there. He should be up in the top five. Well, absolutely. We'll see uh, what happens. I, I don't know how much you follow NASCAR. Do you follow NASCAR? That I do. Um, and I love the road courses for NASCAR, so this should be a fun weekend. Yeah, Sonoma, and, and, and we were just talking in our last segment a little bit about uh, the carousel and the full course. This is the first time that anybody on that field has ever driven the full course for NASCAR. What are your thoughts about Sonoma, Sonoma uh, opening up the full course to uh, NASCAR? Yeah, I think it's cool. I think it's different. Um, you know, you would wonder if maybe Watkins Glen would do that as well, but I think Watkins Glen is, what, like seven miles, so they probably would think twice about it. Sonoma just – and bear with me when I say this. It reminds me of Martinsville and Bristol because you normally – your car does not come back without a ding or a scratch or the bumper ripped off. I mean, it, it is so the, – all the braking zones kind of stacks up the field, and your car ends up looking like you just ran at Martinsville or you ran at Bristol – um, but I think it's cool that they've opened up the entire track. It'll be something different for fans. It'll be something new to watch, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. I know the big broadcast this weekend with Darrell Walter being his last, and a lot of people are looking more to that. Um, Stuart Haas has been great there. Clint Boyer's got a win. We know Tony Stewart got his last career win there as well. So I'm looking for a guy like Daniel Suarez to possibly contend first and get his first career NASCAR win this weekend. Yeah, you mentioned Darrell Waltrip. I mean, I tell you what, what an awesome career he he has had. And, you know, I think a lot of people have grown up either watching or listening. I mean, watching him in a race car or listening to him in the play-by-play booth. Uh, and obviously he coined the, the phrase or at least made it popular, boogity, 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 boogity. I, it's going to be odd not hearing that at the beginning of the race. Surely they, what they should do is just have that taped and, and continue to run that, even though he's he's retired. What are your thoughts on the careers of, of Walter there? Yeah, I mean, growing up, obviously, you know, I was a 90s kid, so I just remember that, you know, that 17 car and the Tide car that he ran. Um, and he had great success in the 70s and 80s. Um, you know, they mentioned, you know, I think Daryl Walter said this might be the last race I ever go to, which I don't know if that's true because, you know, somebody along the way, especially Bristol, is going to honor him or maybe Kentucky in his home yeah. track because um, he's from the state of Kentucky, but, but a great career and, and, and him and Jeff Gordon um, have been good together the last couple of years. And, and you get to a point where, Hey, it's, it's time to, I mean, it's a grind. It's a grind for the drivers. It's a grind for the broadcasters. NASCAR's week in and week out. There's no stopping. Um, you know, you're, you're in different States every, every weekend. So, you know, uh, it, it's been a great career and looking forward to uh, all the tributes that they'll have for him over the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. A few weeks ago before the race, uh, uh, they ran a, a, a montage or tribute of him, of him, and then he just got all choked up, you know, just totally uh, lost his uh, his ability to talk on the air. So you know that it meant a lot to him. So it's, it's going to be hard for him to walk away or, or go away. So we'll see what happens. Let's go into the NBA draft. Big night for Zion Williamson. Obviously, that's a uh, the title of our show, Here Comes Zion. I do want to get to those with you, but let's let's talk a little bit on the homer card. Let's talk about Romeo going and, and, and teaming up over there at Carson with uh, the kid from Purdue at, at Boston. Uh, Romeo, uh, we knew it was going to be a one and done. A lot of people thought he was a, a disappointment at IU. I, I don't necessarily subscribe to that, 
I, I am one of those guys with, that thought that maybe he, he could have done a better job by sticking around. And there again, I'm scratching my head and wondering what uh, Pritchard was thinking with the Pacers. I mean, I know they got plenty of cap space. I know you draft for the future. I get that. I understand that. So I know that's a, a lot to talk about, but those are the three topics that I wanted to make sure that, that, that we covered with you. So what are your thoughts on Zion, uh, the, the kid from Purdue Carson, and then um, uh, the Pacers? The thing with Zion that I thought about kind of throughout this entire process was, um, you know, him going to New York, which is what everybody thought was going to happen. He was going to be with the Knicks. They were going to get that draft lottery. Zion was going to take over the Big Apple. And then the Pelicans get that number one overall pick. And you're like, wow, that changes a lot of aspects because it kind of adds the dynamics with, you know, with AD and, and where is he going to go? Anthony Davis gets traded. Um, and then you've got that, you acquire that fourth pick. So you've got, you know, the two of the top four picks in the draft. And I think Zion's kind of taken this popularity and, and he's ran with it with a smile on his face. Um, I thought it was funny. He said, you know, somebody saw me in New Orleans eating and they said that I was eating chicken fingers. No, that was my seven-year-old brother. I definitely got the shrimp and tried, you know, tried the gumbo <laughs> and tried the New Orleans type of flavor. So I think Zion's kind of I, – I like the guy. I think he's going to be a dominant player. And uh, I just – it's been kind of fun to kind of watch how fun he's had. Um with Romeo Langford, I'm I'm not as down on the kid as a lot of people have been. Like you said, you know, some people say, oh, well, do, do I think he slept walk through IU? Yeah, absolutely. Do I think he was in the best of situations with coaching? Probably not. Um, and there's room for improvement there. But I think with Romeo Langford, it's, when you look at what the Celtics have done with Jason Tatum, um, you, you kind of look at Romeo and say, okay, he's not going to be a superstar tomorrow. Okay, let's put some meat on him and work on his jump shot, which Brad Stevens can do. Let's do that and then see if we can get this kid to be not a superstar, but a, a good NBA player that has a good NBA career. Because that's what Boston needs. Boston's going to get those superstars in free agency like they got Kyrie a year ago. Whether or not he stays is another story. Obviously, he's probably not going to. But with Romeo, I think he's in a great system. Carson Edwards goes there too. Carson Edwards has a chance to knock down shots and come off that bench. Um, there is a spot in the NBA for guys like Carson Edwards that have a hard drive that can pass the basketball that are driven, that are motivated. And he's a very, I want to say Jamal Crawford type. I don't think he's going to be uh, an NBA starter his entire career, but off the bench, get you six to 10 points when you need it. I certainly think it's what Carson Edwards can do. Now with the Pacers, I was knee jerk reaction. What the heck? What are they doing? Why are they doing this? Who is this guy? Um, but I believe in Kevin Pritchard and what they're doing and Ryan Carr and, you know, everybody at the Pacers. So I would just say this. Was the pick sexy? No. Did it make people happy? No. Was I excited about it? No. But if they were excited that they that this guy fell to them at 18, then you have to go with it and say, okay, at 19 years old, can they mold him into something? Um, a center that, you know, he may not play this year, but – he can learn under Miles and Demonis if they don't trade either one of those guys, which is more than likely going to happen. And we'll see if he can shoot the three. You know, they kept talking, oh, he shot 30, 32% from three. He can step out. He's a big man that can spread the floor. Um, I think that the NBA is going to the small, the smaller guy where you got to have a three-point. I think they want him to end up being what we saw in Brook Lopez. You can rebound and you can bruise down low, but if you need to step out and hit the three, you can do that. And it'll be interesting to see – when he gets to 
to Indiana. Obviously, he's always here, but what kind of playing time he gets and where he fits if Miles and Demonis are still here. Yeah, absolutely, and, and we know we've got some uh, unrestricted free agents coming up, so we'll see what uh, July brings. Uh, obviously, Indiana has the cap space. They have the financials, so they can spend a little money, and they can do a little shopping, so uh, we'll see uh, We'll see how that plays out. You mentioned Anthony Davis, and, you know, Anthony Davis gets traded to the Lakers, and we talk about uh, someone owning a, a city. Uh, uh, LeBron James owns that city, and he has the uh, – Clay Travis had an interesting take on something this week, and I don't know if you listen to him. I'm a big fan of his, but he had an interesting take on this announcement this week that coming up at Space Jam 2, uh, co-starring with LeBron James is Anthony Davis. Well, the production yep. company that's producing uh, Space Jam 2 is owned by LeBron James. So one might wonder if – he will leverage Space Jam 2 to get the players that he wants. Hey, take a little less from the Lakers, make a little bit more money uh, from Space Jam 2. Two completely different contracts. They're completely allowed to do that. Is LeBron James walking that line of manipulation there? Yeah. I mean, if that doesn't sound like tampering in, in the weirdest of roundabout ways, it kind of does. But what I don't like about the NBA is, okay, if they're tampering, okay, we're going to find them $500,000 and you move on. Like $500,000 from the Lakers, uh, LeBron can fund that in his couch cushion. You know, Jenny Buss probably has that in her purse. So yeah. the fine has to be significant. Like, okay, we know that LeBron James was involved in this, and it seems like tampering. Let's investigate it. And if you find something, you have to, you have to suspend LeBron for five to ten games, which I don't even think that that does it justice because He's going to sit out 20 games this year anyway to save himself for the playoffs. So it has to be a significant like, loss of draft picks, like first-round draft picks, which I guess they don't really have anymore because they just gave them all to New Orleans. So I don't know what the right penalty would be, but I don't think $500,000, which easy for me to say, like, oh, yeah, $500,000, not a lot of money to them, which is true, um, even though it is a significant amount of money. I just think that – if they do find tampering and they do see that, okay, LeBron was, you know, hey, AD, come here. We could be in this movie. Um, you've got to – somebody has to face the music for that. And I don't think a cash fine really does anything because they're going to continue to do it knowing like, okay, so we got to pay $500,000 in a tampering fine. Okay, we can do that just to get Anthony Davis here. It's worth it. So um, you, would, you would think that they could come up with something, maybe not a pick because they don't have any – but something more than $500,000 in cash as a uh, – I think we're, we're cutting a, out there on this, uh, Tony. Can, are, can you hear us? Yep, I'm still here. You got me? Uh, no, I can't. it sounds like you're in a a robot. Oh, I have – There you are. I have not you're moved back. from the same spot. Okay. Um, but I just <laughs> All right, you're back. A, I, think, I think that the fine has to be more significant than $500,000 for tampering. No, I absolutely, absolutely 100% agree. I don't know how much time we got got you here. Uh, we're standing by for Ken Sterling. But uh, talk a little bit about the Grizzlies. Uh, uh, they didn't get a lot of the national attention. They picked up that kid from uh, Murray State, who we watched back in March. Uh, um, Morant, what, what are your thoughts on the Grizzlies? I mean, you got to give them an A-plus for that pick. Yeah, and then, you know, the trade to get some some – guys back, you know, Kyle Korver, a veteran shooter, if he stays, I doubt that he does, but but you kind of open yourself up to have some money, get some veterans in there. Um, Jackson Jr. last year had a great season. Um, they're a young team, but I think Memphis is certainly going to be fun to watch. I think 
somebody said it on ESPN the other night, you know, the, the Grizzlies this year are going to be must-watch TV because they're going to be jumping out of the gym. They've got high flyers. They're a young team. And uh, we'll see if the Grizzlies can make their way back into the playoffs as they get rid of Mike Conley, the local boy here from Indy, and uh, bring in some picks, bring in some ass, you know, some uh, acquiring some more talent. And then we'll see how that moves forward. I think the Grizzlies are going to be fun to watch this year. Yeah, absolutely. I heard Dan Dockage on uh, Dan Patrick yesterday uh, give an overall su- summation of, uh, and you take Dan for what it is. <laughs> you either like him or you don't. He's going to give you he's going to give you his way of looking at things. But what he said was how he would sum the, the NBA draft up on the Dan Patrick show yesterday was shooters, shooters, and more shooters. If that's really all the NBA cares about is shooters, would you say that that would be something that we could at least agree on this with Dan on? <laughs> Oh no, absolutely! It's kind of like what I just mentioned. When you got when you got centers in the league like Broca Lopez shooting five three point attempts um, a night, you know you've got to have you know Jokic has a three point shot. Joseph Nurkic out of Portland has a three point shot. These quote unquote big men that are supposed to be bangers down low um, have a three point shot, and that's just the way the NBA is going. You need your center to be able on that pick and roll to step out and hit the three. And I think the majority, besides maybe Hassan Whiteside and Andre Drummond, who can't hit the backboard when they're shooting a free throw, um, that's the way they're going. And, and that's why Miles Turner, I think, is so valuable um, in the Pacer system because he has the ability to step out and knock down a three. Now, does he fall in love with that a little bit too much? Is that going to the basket and making a play? I think so. But I think we're in an NBA now where Mark Gasol's hitting threes. Um, you know, you've got centers that – probably that was never in their repertoire was to shoot three-pointers and they would get yelled at, you know, probably in college if they did are now stepping out and knocking down three balls. Um, You know, Carl Anthony Towns can step out and hit it. Each team you look at has a big man that could probably step out and hit a three. And it's a fast paced NBA world. that's in love with a three point shot. And I think that's why the Pacers drafted at 18, a kid that can play down low and can rebound, but can also step out and knock down the three ball. It's certainly where I think the the NBA is already at and continuing to head for. And that's how you have to keep up with the Warriors of the world who are winning championships and Toronto who can knock down the threes too. I mean, Fred Van Vliet is making a living right now because he can knock down big threes. Danny Green's been in the NBA for 10 years because he can knock down the open three. Kyle Korver is still in the NBA because he can knock down threes. And I think the three-pointer – I mean, that's what kept Ray Allen in the league for so long. So that's just the way that it is, and that's the way it's going to be for the foreseeable future. You know, if we could change one thing about the NBA draft night, let's get rid of the hats. I mean, everybody <laughs> knew that, Hay- that Hayes was not going to Atlanta. He was going to be going to, to the Pelicans, but yet he goes up there with Atlanta Hawks hat. I, I'm just saying, maybe that's just one little thing that the NBA can do to enhance the, the NBA draft. What are your thoughts over, overall on the NBA draft? The NFL did a fantastic job of, of creating an, an experience, an event, uh, and moving it around from different cities to different cities. Uh, I don't know that we'll ever get it here in Indianapolis, but we'll see, uh, certainly with Doubtful with us having the combine here, which one might wonder if that's going to still be around. Uh, but uh, what are your thoughts overall how the NBA handles the draft? It's a little bit different because uh, they've got the mm-hmm. lotto pick uh, and, you know, the, a little bit different in the way they do drafts. Uh, but uh, what do you think about as far as the, the, the way they involve the fans and the cities and how they do it? Um, I like it. I like the NBA draft for what it is. I think it could be sped up a little bit. I mean, they were still picking in the second round at, what, one in the morning. Um, so, like, New Orleans, the number one pick, 
you know, he went up there within two minutes. He should have been up there just standing there waiting. And, and they wanted the, the thing that started 745. They should have been ready. I mean, we knew what was coming in those first two picks for sure, if not the first four. So, you know, you want to give each kid their moment, and I get it. But you really need all that time on the clock um, to have the commissioner walk up with a pick. I mean, we knew Zion was going to be picked first. We knew John Moran was going to be picked second. I think they'll move it around a little bit. You know, they showed the fans, um, and they didn't really show them enough. But like you said, the NFL does a good job of creating experience. And we saw Nashville, what, a couple weeks ago, or end of April, was just absolutely slam-packed and you couldn't move. So I think what's going to happen with the NFL with the NFL draft and the NFL combine is the Colts at Indianapolis are going to have the combine for another couple of years. I'd probably say three, four years. And then it's going to move, even though most of the owners like it here because it's centrally located. You can get to where you need to go as far as walking without going outside. Um, and it's, it's, it's a comfort thing. You know, they want to go to St. Elmo's, Jerry Jones will be there, but I think the NFL will eventually move the combine in exchange, tell Indianapolis, we're going to give you the draft one year. So um, I want the combine to stay here, but I don't expect it to stay here past 2022. Would you rather have the draft or would you rather have the combine? I would rather have the combine all day long, every day. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, and I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the combine. I mean, as far as the aspect of like watching guys run around in the underwear Olympics, but <laughs> I think that, you know, just for businesses downtown, I mean, it's a four or five day event. Guys start getting in on Wednesday. Um, you know, all the hotels are filled up. There's a buzz about downtown. Normally, it's, you know, it's the weather is possibly starting to get warmer. So you start getting that spring feel. So I, I certainly like the combine here over the draft. Can you stick around? We got Kent Sterling on with us now. Can you stick around or do you got to go, Tony? No, no, no problem. So uh, joining us now is Kent Sterling from KentSterling.com. Also joining us is uh, Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. Kent, good morning. Welcome back to The Balance. How are you, sir? I'm great, Tom. How are you doing? Oh, fantastic. Tony and I are just uh, uh, rambling on about the, the draft and, and, you know, all, all of that good stuff. Let's talk a little bit. I want to talk we, – we talked a little bit about Romeo and, and Carson, uh, obviously an IU kid and a Purdue kid going – uh, to uh, Boston, and, and uh, let's talk about that Indiana connection. But you and I, before a long time before uh, Romeo was ever brought to IU, we talked when he hadn't even made the announcement that we thought that he would come to IU and that we thought it would be a one and done. So really, no no surprises there. I I was a little disappointed, and unless Tony just said he kind of sleepwalked uh, through uh, his first year there at IU and maybe wasn't in the best best of coaching situations. One, based on what he, how he played at IU, do you think that he's ready for, for the NBA? What are your thoughts on Romeo and Carson uh, teaming up out, out there in Boston? Well, Romeo had a, a son that needed to be surgically repaired. He hurt his back. He came to IU as a freshman as a guy who at New Albany always ran the show. He had to figure out how to become kind of that component piece rather than the focus piece. He scored 16 points a game. I don't know what anybody wanted out of the kid. He wound up being the third all-time leading freshman scorer in program history. I'm, I'm really not sure where he failed. The one place where people get him really wrong is that they think that he's indifferent to basketball, and he's not. He's just stoic. You can't read him. When he won a state championship at New Albany, which is not the easy thing, the last state championship they won was in 1973, for God's sake. 
that kid carried that team on his shoulder. If he's indifferent about basketball, you, you don't get that done. I got no problem with the way that guy played at Indiana for a year. People who had the expectation that the expectations were the problem with this guy, not this guy as a teammate, not this guy as being a productive player, not this guy balling out trying to help Indiana win as many games as he could. I got no problem with Romeo at all. And, And Brad Stevens, Danny Ainge, they thought he was the 14th best player in the draft. I'm going to go ahead and side with those guys. I, I think that he was drafted appropriately. Uh, I, I think over time, people are going to see him being drafted 14th as being a relative steal. If he had gone to 18 and the Pacers hadn't taken him, I would have lost my mind. He is, he is much better than Indiana fans who had wacko expectations for this kid. Uh, he's much better than that. Physical restrictions – kept him from being quite as good as maybe he could have been, but he was a damn good basketball player for Indiana, and I really don't understand all the angst surrounding Romeo. I think Carson's going to be really interesting uh, because Carson can score, and and if he can defend people, he's going to be a terrific NBA guard. He's got to learn how to be a point guard. He was an off guard at Purdue, but I think that Boston's done a really good job going out and getting two guys who are willing teammates, I I think that one of the problems with analytics in basketball is that you tend to evaluate – it's really hard to evaluate via analytics how guys are going to fit together. In baseball analytics work, because you've got kind of man-on-man relationships uh, – that doesn't sound right – but you've got a man (laughs) against a man – you know, you've got a hitter against a pitcher. You've got a fielder against a hitter. You've got one-on-one relationships throughout the game that can be measured. With basketball, you got guys who have to fit into a system, have to fit with their teammates. To me, basketball is like jazz. You can be an outstanding player but just not fit with a quintet of really, really good players. If you can find people that you're willing to listen to and people who are willing to listen to you in jazz – you, you got a chance of putting something together that's really, really cool. And I think about basketball in the same way. I, I think you've got to find fit. And I think that that's where Danny Ainge has kind of failed a bit. I, I think that he realizes his error and he's gone out and gotten two guys who are going to be willing participants on a team where guys try to fit together. And that's a problem with Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving just doesn't fit with teams. Kyrie Irving is for Kyrie Irving. And, and that's the problem with Kyrie Irving. He's a terrific basketball player, but he sees basketball only through his eyes, not through those of his teammates. And I think Boston is going to pivot from that and put together a team of guys who want to play together and play well together. We're talking with, uh, we're talking with uh, Kent Sterling and Tony Donahue. Tony, I think you know Kent, uh, but you got anything or any questions uh, for Kent? Yeah, I mean, I agree with what he said about Romeo. Um, you think about a kid that this time last year was graduating high school and you had guys, grown men showing up in candy stripe pants. Like, there was a lot of expectations, as Ken said, on this kid. And he fought through injuries. He didn't do the whole college bowl game narrative where, you know what, I've got a minor injury, I'm going to sit out. This guy played. He played his heart out when he could. Um, you know, people kind of questioned that first NIT game when he didn't play. But, you know, you, he knew that he was going to have an NBA future, and you got to think about that in college because I'm, 
you know, people may not like when I say this, but you can always go back and get a college education. You, you can't always go back and make the millions of dollars. So obviously you go to college and you're a student athlete. I get that. But when you know you're going to go to the NBA and all the projections say that you're going to be making a lot of money and with, you know, the pick that he was, he's going to get first round money and possibly pay for that second contract. You kind of have to think about that, and you can always go back. But just the, the realistic expectations, the unrealistic expectations, excuse me, like Kent said, just that probably wears on the kid. And I think he probably feels relieved and a fresh start going to Boston with one of the best coaches in the NBA. Well, you know, I think a lot of those expectations are, are – not only created by the fans, but are created by the media hype. Uh, I mean, he, he basically had an ESPN special, if you will, to announce that he was going to IU uh, down down there in New Albany uh, on, a, on a smaller scale. So, I mean, uh, there was a lot of hype. There was a lot of national hype about him, uh, where he was going to go and so forth. So I think the media put a lot of expectations on that as well. Kent, we were also talking uh, about um, – the Pacers and their decision to, to go with this kid from Georgia, not the, the state, but the country. And anytime you can get an almost seven footer that's 19 years old, you're drafting for the future. Uh, the Pacers overall, they've got some unrestricted free agents. So there may be some holes to fill there. Is he a plug and play guy? I don't think so. But I, 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 know, I know a lot of people are scratching their head on why this guy, why now, Kent? Well, you know what? Uh, we got to meet him yesterday. I got to spend a little bit of time with him yesterday. I really like him. He's an earnest guy. He he says all the right things. He's He's got that kind of likability factor that it seems like the Pacers sort of covet. I don't know whether he can play dead. I have no idea about this guy's game. You know, I've read scouting reports. I've watched highlight tape, but I've never seen him miss a, miss a shot. You know what I mean? Um, I had heard of the guy because he was in mock drafts going like 15th to the Pistons, but I didn't do any, I didn't go deep and, and look at him because that's not a position of need, but that's not what the Pacers do. The Pacers go out and they're going to draft a good player who fits their scheme and fits their culture. And they think that uh, Goga is exactly that guy. Kevin Pritchard, both on the record and off the record, really, really happy that he fell to 18 and that they're going to have this kid. Um, so, you know, I, 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 my lack of understanding of the pick, I, I don't hold them accountable to because I think that's on me. I mean, you've got Ryan Carr and you've got these European scouts. You've got a room full of guys who know a whole lot more about basketball than us. And they think that he's a guy with a high ceiling. And, and what they also say is that he's got a really high floor which is nice. This is a guy who through the Euro system has developed uh, his fundamental sense of basketball at a really high level. And so they think that he's going to be able to come in and be a rotational guy right now. They see him fitting really nicely with Miles Turner and Domas Sabonis as kind of a threesome on that front court. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But I'll tell you, when you meet him, you feel really good about him. He, he's got an interesting backstory. He survived the war. He spent part of mm -hmm. 2008 in hiding when the Russians mm -hmm. uh, invaded and occupied Georgia. Uh, his family experienced rather extreme poverty, and, uh, and this is a guy who came through those adverse situations very nicely, and it is really just kind of – and you can tell, and Tony can tell too. He's been around guys. Um, you know, is, is he a good guy? Is he a real guy? Does he know who he is, or is he one of these fake guys? 
and and this is one of those real guys. I, I from a personal perspective, I really like the pick. If he's as good a basketball player as he seems to be a guy, then this is a win. Tony, uh, we haven't talked at all about Victor Owen Depot. Obviously, we expect him to be back uh, this next season, and what an impactful player that he has been for the team. Uh, and what a great job that the Pacers were able to do was to be able to pick when I think a lot of people, myself included, when when uh, when Victor went out for the season, we were like, well, that's it. We're done. We're toast. Uh, stick a fork in us. We are done. Victor Owen Depot is going to be a key component uh, for next season. What are your thoughts? I think the first thought and question is just when is it going to be early in the season? Is it going to be after Christmas? Is it going to be after the deadline? When is he going to be ready to maintain workouts and then get into NBA shape? Cause that takes a couple of weeks. Once you are fully cleared, um, you don't want to rush him back. We kind of maybe saw that in the NBA finals with Kevin Durant. Um, but I thought they did a good job getting, you know, Warren, I think Warren is a good piece, a guy who can score. And I hope it's not, you know, Tyreek Evans 2.0 minus, you know, the habits um, of, Hey, this was a guy putting up big numbers on a bad team. I like the Warren thing, uh, the Warren pickup um, and then acquiring that 32nd pick with his name of drafting. But, and, and I, my, my question is on this team. And I think, you know, Ken, Ken will answer this too. They have money to spend and it's time to go out and spend money. And you have to get a guy, hopefully at least make a run for a guy that can fill some of the void. And just what we know about the Pacers in the past when it comes to free agency is big names don't come here. And just, you know, Harrison Barnes comes to mind, or Wayne Ellington, a guy that is a journeyman guy and kind of hasn't lived up the expectations, but he's still got tread on the tires and we got him in here and we think that he can, you know, fill that scoring void. I hope they bring in a big name, but, but Ken, I mean, it's hard for me to think that they're going to go out and get, a, a level A or even a level B superstar, I think that they're batting in that C, D, and E level. And guys like Harrison Barnes comes to mind. Um, I would love to buy his Harris, but I don't think he's even going to come here. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's really hard to make the case for Indiana to, to bring somebody who, who would be, at, you know, one of those guys that ESPN's going to invite on set. If you're on set on ESPN, I don't think you're one of the guys who's going to come to the Pacers. I think the Pacers can go out and do what they did with Warren, though, and they can make a deal, accept cap space in the form of these guys who can play and, and figure it out that way. Instead of trying to keep William Bogdanovich at 18 or $20 million a year, you get Warren, who's under contract for the next three, at between 10.8 and $13 million. That's the way they've got to do business. I think that, that was they, they got a good – starting level three for nothing. They gave away nothing and got that guy, got the 32nd overall pick. They spin the 32nd into three future second round picks. That's the way they're going to have to do business. And they're going to have to hit on these draft guys. They're, they're going to, they need Batadza to be really, really good. They can't afford a swing and a miss in the first round. Victor, uh, Kevin said yesterday, they expect him back December or January but that's a fluid situation. He could come back maybe a little bit quicker. It might be a little bit delayed. They're unsure how that's going to work. Without Victor Oladipo, there's really no selling what this team could be to a free agent in the short term. And, and that winds up being – that's a little bit debilitating for Kevin and the guys to go out and make a pitch. But I think that one of the things that you see, and you see it with Salt Lake City, uh, is they look like a team that could contend 
in the West after their acquisition. You, you've got Toronto. They just won the NBA championship. You've got Milwaukee, which is a smaller market and probably kind of a less cool town than Indianapolis. And they're going to be really good for the foreseeable future as long as they got the freak. It can be done, but you got to be really, really clever. And, and as far as kind of a big market bias, you know, look at the Lakers. The Lakers are a train wreck. The Knicks are a train wreck. The Nets, they're trying to put something together, but they always swing and miss. The Clippers, kind of the same deal. If, if Kawhi goes out to the Clippers, that's a different situation. But, you know, I, I think that you can do it in a small market. you just got to get really lucky to distance yourself among these 30 franchises and really the 16 that are operated reasonably well. And, and if you do that, and I think these guys are in a position to do it. I think Kevin's a smart guy, and he's got good guys around him. But you've got to hit on draft picks. And, and I think a guy like Goga is where they've really got to make their hay. And then secondarily, uh, an acquisition like Warren, which I think was really smart, where they gave away no basketball assets, and, and they get a really good player in return. Tony, who are the winners and losers of the NBA draft? Um, I really like what Boston did. Um, you know, it's clear that Kyrie's not going to be there, um, and they're going to have to make some clever moves. And we know Horford is leaving as well. Um, but I do I, – I, I wanted Romeo at 18. If, if it was the Pacers selection, that would have been big. I know a lot of people criticize that. But um, New Orleans, who is continuing to just gain assets, and it's going to be a whole new look for the Pelicans when you get Zion. Um, you know, I just I don't think there was as many trades as what we've seen in the years past. Um, it's the obvious, clear, you know, easy answers for me to say the Pelicans. But but I like what some other teams did as far as just getting guys in there. And I really like what Cleveland did. Obviously, grabbing Dylan Windler, who is a local product here, who can knock down shots. Um, there were some teams that I thought, you know. Do I think the Pacers are a winner of a draft? No. And like Ken said, they're going to have to hit on this guy because they haven't hit lately on draft picks. The, the judgment is still out on Aaron Holiday, who's shown Spurs last year that he could play in the NBA, but also shown that he was a rookie. So he's got a lot to learn. Um, TJ Leaf, I'm not sure, would make any other roster in the league at this point, even though, you know, the Pacers were high on him. So, you know, back to the Pacers, you've got to hit on these draft picks, as Ken said, and, and you've got to make sure that you're getting guys in free agency that um, are going to make you a better team because I think the patience of the Pacers fan base right now is starting to get thinner and thinner, knowing, as Ken said, it's tough to bring in these big-name free agents, the ESPN set guys, and it, they haven't really drafted all the best because they're not going to tank as a franchise, and that's fine. I don't like to be a part or watch from afar of a team that wants to tank. But they just they flirt with that with that you know mid to to late teens pick and it's hard to it's hard to land superstars there even though the Raptors didn't have any picks uh, on their team this year that were lottery picks that's like the rare case that may not ever happen again uh, in this day and age in the NBA. We're talking with Kent Sterling and Tony Donahue, uh, Kent Sterling at KentSterling.com, and Tony Donahue of the Tony D podcast, uh, just to talk at some NBA draft. Uh, Kent, what did we learn from the uh, championship this year? Game seven, Toronto takes down the Warriors. Is the is should we be excited that a, a team from Canada won the NBA championship because the Warriors are, are no. not beat? Should, could we be should we be excited that the uh, 
the Warrior Dynasty might be to an end. I, I don't know, maybe maybe not. The Canadians kind of got on. I'm gonna get, go on a little soapbox here. I love Canadians. I got a, a lot of friends that are Canadians, and I, I love Canadian race. One of my favorite dri- drivers, James Hinchcliffe, is Canadian. So I got nothing against Canada as a whole, but there was a, a little bit of a double standard there. When we look back at the women's uh, team when they won the Canadian news broadcast. Well, the Americans over-celebrated. They, they ran up the score. <laughs> you know, they should have never done that. But then we go, to, we go to Toronto, and the Warriors and Kevin Durant goes down, and the Canadians are cheering for an injury. It just seems like that was a little bit of a double standard. But what did we learn from this year's NBA Finals Game 7 for the first time ever? There was, and I do want to talk about my St. Louis Blues, but for the first time ever, there was a Canadian uh, championship. Game seven in a NHL Stanley Cup game seven. First time ever two teams got the first championship ever in their franchise history. So what did we learn, Kent? Well, we learned that Kawhi Leonard is a beast. We learned that he's oh, yeah. really good. And that people who didn't think that he was really good, they were wrong. And and I I think Kawhi Leonard not from a talent perspective, but from a behavior perspective, I think he can draw some parallels to Romeo Langford, right? where Kawhi is, is a stoic. And, and I think that a lot of people thought, especially because of the way he sat out last year with the Spurs, they thought he was indifferent to basketball. Well, he didn't look indifferent to basketball at all during the NBA Finals. So we learned that. Um, we learned, I, I think that this is actually bad for the NBA, this championship for Toronto, not because it's Canada, but because that team's going to kind of splinter apart as soon as Kawhi leaves, assuming that he leaves, they're going to be an entirely different franchise. We learned that the Warriors, minus Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson, uh, are just a really, really good team and not a championship-level team. They still almost won game six without two of the best players in the NBA. Uh, they're going to be on the shelf for likely the entire season next year. So there's going to be a window at least, depending on where Durant goes and where Thompson goes. I assume Thompson's going to stay and Durant's going to go. But depending on what their disposition is as free agents, that team is either going to experience a one-year window where it's not quite as competitive and the West can be had by virtually anybody. But then I think that they're going to come back and with just Clay. I think with just Clay and Steph and Cousins, if he's back, I, I think he got a chance to be a championship-level team again. But I think it's going to be fun to see the West kind of be wide open and, and be able to see a team like Salt Lake City, like Utah, see those guys compete. I think Denver is going to be really, really good. I, I don't see the Lakers being as good as other people do. It seems like every offseason, you know, people glom onto the LeBron James train and say wherever he's at. And this past year we saw it with the Lakers that they're going to be exceptionally competitive. Uh, Anthony Davis is a wonderful basketball player. They've got two of the best five players in the NBA but they have nobody else, and they really don't have the means to go. They could get one more terrific max-level player, and then they've got to go get minimum guys, and I don't see that being terribly competitive, at least not over the long haul of an NBA season for 82 games with a 35-year-old kind of leading actor. So um, I think we've learned those things. I, I, I'm, You know, Toronto, yeah. I think the NBA got what it deserved in, in, in this deal. And, 
you know, I, I don't think – yeah, I, although I don't think it would have been great for Milwaukee either. I think the NBA is at its best when it's kind of the Celtics and the Lakers or, you know, the Lakers and the Bulls or, you know, God forbid, you know, the Knicks ever got good because they would – that would be a TV magnet type team. I, I don't think it's good for, the, for the, the NBA to have a team like Toronto win the thing. You know, speaking of Canada, I heard a, a nasty rumor this week uh, that Tampa Bay uh, baseball team might be moving to yeah. Montreal. Any any thoughts on that, Tony or Kent? Go ahead. Well, they split it, right? Or they're talking about splitting it between Tampa yeah. and Montreal. And this is right. what you get when you build a bandbox as, as a stadium. You know, that is not a great baseball experience down in Tampa Bay. That That area – is filled with people who are not indigenous to Tampa Bay. So that's always going to be a tough sell. You know, they're going to come out and watch the Yankees or they're going to come out and watch the Cubs or the White Sox. If the Cubs ever get down there, you know, a lot of people from Chicago, a lot of people from New York. And, and so to, to me, Tampa Bay is not a great major league baseball franchise city. And, and if they, we saw that I, why they would decide to go back to Montreal, I have no idea. When we see franchises fail in a city, there's a reason it failed. And to ignore that initial reason and think you can just kind of spackle over it, I think is just stupid. Well, they are now the, well, the old Montreal team is now the Nationals, correct? Am I correct on that? I think so. Yes. Hello? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tony, uh, if you're going yeah, to do go this, you've got to go back to the Expos at least logos, right? If you're going to do this, you've got to go back to the Expos logos. I mean – the Rays doesn't sell any merchandise, so if you're going to do this and you're going to expand and, and, and hope it works, because like Ken said, there's a reason why it didn't work the first time. There's a reason why, you know, when these teams move, there's a reason for it. There's a reason why the, you know, NBA hasn't gone back to Seattle for a while and, and, and may not for a couple more years until they get that hockey team. But if you're going to do this, you got to do it with, you know, it's got to be the Expos, right? You can't go up there and call them the Montreal Rays. That doesn't sound right. So at least change the name for the Expos if you're going to do this. Yeah, make it a, make it a, a thing of nostalgic. I think a lot of people like nostalgic. I mean, uh, baseball teams all year long will go back into the throwback jersey. So I, I think you're onto something there, um, uh, Tony. All right, guys. Final thoughts of words of, of wisdom, if if you will. I'd like to get your thoughts on my St. Louis Blues against the Boston Bruins. Kent, I know you got connections to St. Louis. Uh, you got to be yeah. happy about the Blues winning. Well, yeah, I am happy about the Blues winning. The flagship of the Blues is uh, 101 ESPN in St. Louis, my old radio station. So I'm really, really happy for for those people. I, I'm happy for the community because there's been there's been kind of a malaise in St. Louis since the Rams picked up stakes and and went to L.A. There's been a feeling of of inferiority within that city from a from a sports a, an overall sports perspective after losing the Rams, despite the fact that the Cardinals always be king there. Uh, but I think it's great for that town to have something to kind of cheer about and feel good about. And, and it's a good franchise, and it's run by really, really good people. And, and to see them come together the way they did with Craig Berube taking over as the interim and now full-time coach, bringing in Bennington uh, and having those guys kind of get hot, you, you got to see – exactly why people say you can ride a hot goalie in the playoffs and that's exactly what the blues did i i couldn't be happier for st louis 
Uh, Tony, I know you're from up in the region. You're not a big St. Louis guy. Um, I'm a Cardinal guy through and through, which, by the way, St. Louis will always be a baseball city. But, Tony, what are your thoughts about the St. Louis Blues winning their first Stanley Cup championship? Yeah, I think you just look at the way that, that the city kind of, you know, came out for the parade and that just kind of showed, like, man, this was – just because you, you don't think of St. Louis as a hockey town, but, I mean, the fans were there, and it, it is a great sports city as far as fan bases go that, you know, they've obviously had some success with the Cardinals, and then when the Rams left, there was obviously a void. Um, I wish I would have been the guy that back in, you know, as, as Ken said, you ride a hot goalie. We saw it last year with the Golden Knights getting to the Stanley Cup. Um I wish I would have been the guy back in like January when it was ninety nine to one odds the Blues were gonna gonna right. win the the Stanley Cup and the guy put a hundred bucks on it. I'd like to have that ticket about now. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate you jumping on, Tony D of the Tony D podcast. Tony, where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir? Yeah, it's a part of the Podbean uh, podcasting network. So check out the app. It's on my Twitter as well at Tony D and D. Kit Sterling, KitSterling.com. Love your stuff, and, and certainly if you want to have coffee with Kent, you can do that every morning with breakfast with uh, with Kent. <laughs> <laughs> Love that segment. You've been doing it for a long time, I know, but where can people find your work in Masterpieces, sir? Well, that's where, you know, it's uh, everything links back to Twitter, at Kent Sterling, but on SoundCloud, on iTunes, at KentSterling.com, Facebook Live every morning at 8 o'clock. We have breakfast with Kent, so it, it's uh, I try to make it hard to avoid me. <laughs> All right, guys, you have yourself a good weekend. We'll talk with you soon. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. See you, man. Have a good one. All right, we'll see you. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcasting, Kent Sterling of KentSterling.com. Thanks, guys, for jumping on and joining us uh, in, in, in talking some NBA draft uh, with us. A great conversation. Uh, so, my name is Scott Michael Sal Presidente. 917-889-8516 is our digit. We're about to wrap it up. 26 more minutes left on the books. Mo from the BS Sports Show is supposed to be joining us next for a few more minutes of NBA Draft Talk. Zion comes. This is The Balance. Be right back. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 
or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Porklet, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about Welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquisell, Presidente. 90 minutes in the books. Thank you so much to Matthew Embry, WSTBT up in South Bend, uh, our official IndyCar contributor, uh, talking some IndyCar and NASCAR with us. Tony D of the Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast uh, joins us, uh, kind of uh, sprinkled a little bit of everything on there. We talked about NASCAR. We talked about IndyCar. We talked about the NBA draft. We talked about hockey and KenSterling.com. Kent Sterling from KentSterling.com just joined us uh, to continue our talk with uh, NBA. But we always save the best for last. Mr. Mo from the BS Sports Show, how are you, sir? I'm alive. Well, that's always a good thing, right? If you yeah. wake up on this side of the earth, right? <laughs> right. Well, I know we only got you for a few minutes, so we'll just kind of play rapid fire. Um We've covered a lot of these topics already, but certainly want to get your your thoughts on it. Uh, let's start with the uh, with the home card, the Indiana Pacers. Uh, Ken Pritchard uh, sounds like a good kid uh, from media day and stuff. It certainly sounds like he's uh, uh, got a lot of grit and a lot of heart. Uh, but what are your thoughts about the uh, Pacers and their result in the NBA draft 2019? Well, I mean. The kid may turn out to be a good player, but let's be honest, it's a guy who needs to get tougher down low. And you've already got, you know, two guys 
similarly sized and shaped who do the same things as him already and Sabonis and and, and uh, Miles Turner. So the pick doesn't make much sense. I mean, they need help in, in other places a lot more. So I, I I guess I don't really understand the pick. But, I mean, maybe there's a plan. Maybe that signifies that uh, one of those two other guys, Sabonis or, or uh, Turner, are on their way out of town. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see definitely how that goes. What are your thoughts about uh, uh, Romeo and Carson? Of course, you've got the Romeo Langford uh, uh, from Indiana, and then you've got the kid from Purdue uh, that uh, went over there, obviously joins up with another Indiana conne- connection, uh, Brad Stevens. I kind of like what Boston did here. And uh, say what you want about Romeo. A lot of people didn't like that, what he just basically thought, walked through IU. And, you know, uh, Kent was just saying, you know <laughs> – he was exactly what we thought he was going to be, and, and he did exactly what we thought he was going to do. And so he's in the NBA now. He's with Brad Stevens. And uh, so you got two kids from Indiana going to Boston to the, another Indiana connection with Brad Stevens. I think Boston did okay. I give him a passing grade. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, as long as Romeo Langford proves he can be coachable, you know, I think his Senate IU was terrible. He, he is a guy who started the season as probably the number five pick in the NBA draft and, you know, dropped into the teens. So he's still in the lottery, but dropped into the teens. Uh, I think he did himself no favors at IU. His three-point shooting percentage was uh, abysmal at times. And, uh, you know, so I, I worry a little bit about his stroke. He, he seemed lazy to me at times. And maybe that's just the way he moves, but uh, he seemed lazy on defense a lot. Uh, so if he's coachable, I think it's a great pick. Carson Edwards, obviously, is a guy who we saw, especially this year in the tournament, played with a lot of heart. He's high energy. He reminds me a lot of uh, the microwave Vinny Johnson from the Detroit Pistons back in the day. I don't know if he's good enough to start in the NBA, but he can definitely be an important piece off the bench for the Boston Celtics. Well, let's say, uh, you know, the NBA draft has come and gone and then let the, the free agency begin in, in July. And we will see what, what happens. Of course, uh, the typical round of questions, which teams managed to come out of the draft looking good and which ones uh, kind of floundered and never quite found their way. Uh, the Pelicans, have they found their way in Zion Williamson? Is he the savior? He didn't go to New York like everybody thought that he would, and doesn't look like he's going to be headed there. looks like he's going to be uh, uh, spending some time on Bur- uh, Bourbon Street, if you will. But the New Orleans Pelicans, have they found their guy? I don't know that he's necessarily the savior of the franchise, but he's a guy that's going to be exciting. The thing that New Orleans has to worry about is the same thing they had to worry about with Anthony Davis is – when they, if they develop a, another young superstar, uh, can they keep him when it comes time uh, for him to move into free agency? Uh, you know, Zion, I think, is going to have to work on his shot some more because, you know, the the three-point line in the NBA obviously is deeper than the college one. So will his three-point stroke, uh, you know, be good enough as he gets into the NBA? And he's going to be banging around with a lot of bigger bodies and, and a little more talent than he did in college. So uh, the guy's exciting. I don't know that he'll be – uh, you know, have the Anthony Davis type numbers, but he's a guy who's going to bring you a lot of highlights. And uh, in today's NBA, sometimes it's all we see. I mean, is New Orleans going to be on national TV a lot? Maybe because of Zion now, that could be the one thing that changes. But uh, I, I think they did well. They got, you know, a pretty good haul from the Lakers for it. They're not a team that's going to attract a lot of free agents. So they've got to build through the draft and they definitely acquired a lot of draft picks. So for for what they're able to do being where they are, you know, in the geography of the NBA, I think they did a pretty good job. 
Who were the biggest losers of the NBA draft? And we may have already talked about it. And a lot of people think that the Pacers were one of the biggest losers of the NBA draft. But in your thoughts, what are the big, who were the biggest losers of the NBA draft? Um, I think Phoenix is one. I, I continue to wonder what their direction is. I don't think they have uh, any direction at all. Um, I, I don't think they did a good job whatsoever. Uh, Minnesota, again, I mean, they've been historically bad drafters. Uh, they're a team that passed up on Steph Curry for Johnny Flynn. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 there were more winners, I think, this year than there were losers. The guys did a lot. I, I really liked what the Atlanta Hawks did. I think they did a very good job. Uh, you know, and, and Cleveland had uh, a couple of good picks where they, they made a pick and then traded uh, for uh, Kevin Porter Jr. from uh, USC. So I think this year was one of those years where maybe it wasn't a ton of names that we uh, we knew and loved. I think player-wise, I think there were a lot of more teams that did good than bad this year. You know, I, I'm a big fan of Clay Travis. This is this no big secret, but he was talking about it on his show, and it, it basically he got a lot of national attention after this. So here we got Anthony Davis go to the Lakers. Now, this happens on the tail end of an announcement being made that co-starring in Space Jam 2 is Anthony Davis, the owner of the production company of, um, uh, of the, that's produced in Space Jam 2 is LeBron James. So the theory has been proposed that LeBron James says, take a little bit of less from the Lakers, get a little bit more. Uh, from my movie as my as my co-star in Space Jam 2, which we know is going to be a hit, make millions of dollars. Is this tampering or is this tampering? And if so, what, well, what does I mean, the NBA do about it? There's nothing they can do because players can recruit. They're, they're allowed to. And when you share the same agent as LeBron James, Rich Paul is, is Anthony Davis' agent, I think when Anthony Davis looks to make up the money, uh, is a place where Dwight Howard did not capitalize is being in LA. You know, every, every NBA player now wants to be their own brand and it's definitely easier to become a brand in Los Angeles than it is in New Orleans. So I think Anthony Davis will make up the money as far as commercials and movies and, and that such. Uh, and, and LeBron James does have his hand in a lot of entertainment things, not just movies, movies, TV shows. So Anthony Davis will definitely make up that money, but he was, he realized, I think he was at a place where a, he wasn't going to win and B, he was not going to get any extra exposure, uh, you know, being stuck in New Orleans where it's a nice town and a fun place to go. But if you're trying to build a brand, New Orleans really isn't the place to do it. So I think Anthony Davis looked at the overall picture. And, and when he consulted with his team, who is also LeBron James' team, they said that's the place he was going to force his, play, his way to. So if Zion turns out to be the, 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 the guy that a lot of people think that he will be, that's why he was drafted number one overall – is, is he going to be in that mix uh, of the next Pelican to head out West in the, in the next few years? I think he'll be a, a guy who's in the mix to head to New York. Uh, that's where he, I believe he wanted to be was in New York city. Uh, you know, he's, he's already built a pretty good team around him as well. And, and that's the problem when you all are a smaller market team uh, is, is exposure for guys who are trying to become big stars. And Zion's definitely trying to become a, a big star, a big marketable guy. And uh, New Orleans, I don't think it's really going to be the place for that. So, yeah, I think they're going to have the same problem in five years with Zion Williamson that they have with Anthony Davis. So I'm glad that the the Golden State Warriors won. And I shouldn't be glad that a team from Canada won. Nothing against Canada. But are we glad that the Warriors dynasty appears to be over? 
Well, it, it appears to be over at least for the immediate future because no Kevin Durant this year probably, and and no Clay Thompson. It's going to be pretty difficult because they're also a team that's in you know salary cap hell. If they if they look to to sign Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson again and not be able to play them this year, it's going to be some slim pickings uh, in uh, in Golden State. And we'll get to see if uh, if Steph can carry the team by himself. I think it'll be very. Uh, have to be very James Harden-like in Golden State this year, and will that wear Steph out, you know? Or, or is Golden State just going to realize the position they're in this year, uh, call it a, a, a rebuild year, and uh, and try to move on? I mean, let's be honest, their bench is very thin there because of all the money they pay their stars. So it's going to be a tough year for Golden State. You know, I don't think it's a good for the end of any dynasty because it's always good to have a villain in basketball or in any sport. You know, we've got the Patriots in football. Uh, we've got the, you know, the Golden State Warriors in basketball, and we've got the Cardinals in baseball. Ah, see what you did there. Ah, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, the Yankees are the bad guys in in, in baseball. Oh yeah. Uh, right. Speaking right. of baseball, final subject here because I know you got to run. So rumor came out yesterday that Tampa's going to split their season between Montreal and Tampa. We were talking earlier with Tony. He goes, "It's kind of stupid, but you can see why you do it because they're not they're not going to make any any money down there. Nobody in Tampa is from Tampa, so they're only going to come to." watch the Cubs or, you know, the White Sox or what have you, um, Yankees or what have you. They're not, so, so the thought is, you know, let's, let's uh, split the season up there in Montreal. Well, the dumb thing is you're not going to call them the Montreal Razors, so why not use this as an, an opportunity to go nostalgic and the time that they're playing in Montreal, they're actually the Montreal Expos with the old uniforms. But it's kind of a wacky idea, but – Hey, it's sports in 2019. It, it, nothing surprises me, but uh, to, to share between two cities could lay a dangerous precedent for all sports. Well, I, I like it just for the fact that you're right. I mean, if not Tampa, the owners in Tampa are going to wind up relocating the team. And if you're trying to keep the team in Tampa, then why not make a concession to do this? Remember, we the Buffalo Bills had talked about moving to Toronto. Uh, you know, what, five, ten years ago. And so instead they let them play a couple of home games a year in Toronto, and then things got back on track. People in Tampa don't care about the Rays. The stadium's a dump. It, it, it's just not a great atmosphere for baseball. Uh, you know, and it brings back some nostalgia. I, I like the idea. I'm, I'm all for it. So the question would be, though, if they go to the playoffs, do they go to the playoffs as the Montreal team or as the Tampa Bay mm-hmm. team? Interesting. Or if they win, the, or if they go to the World Series, do they win? Do they win the World Series yeah. in Tampa or Montreal? That uh, it, it, things that make you perplex. Mo for the BS Sports Show. I promised you fifteen. And you got fifteen. Uh, any final words of wisdom, sir? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start splitting half the time at my job here and half the time in Canada as well. There you go. I don't blame you at all. <laughs> all right, buddy. We'll talk <laughs> to you soon. Have a good have a good weekend. Uh, all right. Have a good one. All right. Well, from the BS Sports Show, love having him on. He's quite the regular part of the balance team, has been for a long time. Hey, guys, you know, we have 10 minutes left on the show. We want to call and talk a little NBA, 917-889-8516 is the digits. What did we learn today? Well, we learned that Road America is a uh, good course. It's a fun course. It's a challenging course, and uh, we'd like to maybe see some some uh, uh, excitement from the Andretti team. We'll see what happens with Carpenter. We'll see what happens with Pinsky. 
certainly been a Penske-dominated track. Uh, Matthew Embry of WSBT up in South Bend also talked a little bit about the U.S. Senior Open happening on up there in Notre Dame uh, country as well. We also uh, learned uh, about NASCAR and the uh, Sonoma Carousel. Um, for the first time, that's being opened up for NASCAR drivers, and no driver on the field has ever ran the full uh, Sonoma course, if you will. We also learned Zion Williams going to the Pelicans. Tony D of the uh, Tony Donahue of the Tony D podcast um, joined us uh, for an hour. Appreciate appreciate his time. Certainly download his podcast. Uh, it's 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 well worth the listen, and it's a quick listen and good stuff. Good good stuff. Uh, so yeah, check it out. So we talked, and, and we for the most part talked NBA draft today. I mean. Because it just happened. We named our show Zion Comes. Here comes Zion, uh, today's show. So we, we talked about Romeo, and maybe he's made the right move to the to the Pacers and uh, teamed up with uh, the kid from Purdue, Carson. And so we also learned that, <laughs> well, apparently if you're LeBron James, you can do whatever you want, and uh, nobody's going to say anything to you about it. Um, we learned that uh, Tampa Bay and Montreal have something in common. So, uh, you know, hey, this is what we do. We guide you through the, the crazy, wacky world of sports. So got a, I'm, I'm really happy. So a lot of people don't know this. I, I, um, the Balance Studio is located in uh, my plush mansion on the uh, uh, high atop the, the plush mansion of the west side of Indianapolis. <laughs> so uh, I got a new puppy. I have a, I have a dog. I've had a dog for a long time now, but my other dog died a year ago. So got me a new puppy this week, a beagle puppy, full of energy, barks all the time. So I was just like, please do daddy a favor. And so... She's been such a good girl. So a shout out to Penny Sue, the newest member of the pack here at the Balance Studios. We got Mackenzie and we got Penny Sue. That's right. 917-889-8516 is our digits. You can follow us on the Twitter world at T-Balance. Follow us on Facebook. Just go to Facebook and hit the Balance. Type that in. What are your thoughts about Zion going first overall? I think it's exactly what we thought was going to happen. I think that a, a lot of people are scratching their heads with what the Pacers did. And clearly, they are drafting for the future because we don't know what's going to happen with the unknowns. Um. The Hawks, I mean, did a good good trade with the Pelicans. We talked a little bit about Anthony Davis going to the Lakers. Um, kind of a shifty move there with LeBron James and him uh, promising him a co-star spot, um, co-star spot on on uh, Space Jam Two, which I'll probably watch it too. It'll it'll be a hit. 
It'll make millions of dollars. And so will Anthony Davis. And so will LeBron James. But one could say there was a little bit of manipulation going on there by LeBron saying, come on over here to L.A., make a little less from the Lakers, make a lot from uh, Space Jam, too. I guess they didn't do anything that broke the rules. But I just – it could be LeBron James. It could be anybody. We talked about this with – with Michael Jordan when he was when he, when he was in his heyday, I don't know. It's like we we put them on a god status. It's like they can do no wrong, and it just seems like. And I get it. I, I get it. They're allowed to build their brand, and you know, I shame no one for making money, but it just seems like. At least tell everybody, hey, this is what we're doing. I worked out a deal with the Lakers. I didn't do anything wrong, and so he's able to make the money that he wants to make in L.A. I think fans would appreciate that much more than, oh, I'm going to the Lakers, and I'm going to take less money because I want the Lakers to be able to have money to get other people, and I'm doing it out of the goodness of my heart. So bull crap. <laughs> I call bull crap on that. And that's okay. You could do what you could do what you want. It's your money to make. Go make it. Uh, I, I don't fault you for that. But it, I mean, at least just be honest with people. Just say, hey, here's what's going on. We worked out a deal with the Lakers, and you know we're gonna we're gonna go forward uh, with that. You know, we didn't get into a lot of the um, draft scenarios and the draft draft grades. Um, so certainly, you know, we talked about the Grizzlies uh, being on, on, on the winning side. Uh, we talked about um, the Knicks. Um, got that other kid from Duke, uh, Barrett. The Lakers, we don't, we don't know what's going on there. Uh, DeAndre Hunter uh, from Virginia, but they got a proposed trade with him uh, to the Hawks. Uh, so that looks like that's going to happen. Uh, so the Lakers, eh. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe maybe it's just because I just went on my little soapbox about the Lakers and LeBron James. I don't really want to give them a passing grade. If I have to, I'll give them a D. Cavaliers, uh, they're going to be. I mean, going back to LeBron James, uh, if they're on, if he's on your team, well, he's on your team. When he's not, he's not. And so we'll see. We'll we'll see how this uh, this pick ends up with them. Um, uh, Garland, uh, uh, um, he's a point guard out of Vanderbilt, so we'll we'll see how that that goes. Give him a C. Mo wasn't a big fan of the of the uh, Phoenix deal with uh, Jarrett Culver um, with Texas Tech. That might be good. I, it might be a good pick. I, I put him. I, I I gave them a C on that as well. So we didn't get to a lot of our teams, but I do appreciate Matthew Embry joining us. Tony Donahue and Kent Sterling of KentSterling.com of KentSterling.com Guys, we do this thing called The Balance every Saturday morning right here on The Balance Radio Network. Make sure you follow us on at T-Balance. My name's Tom Marquis. We'll see you next Saturday. Don't drink and drive. If it isn't cool, I'm out of here. Deuces.
Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.